0: Everybody. Welcome to the Hidden Gems Podcast. This is a show where we like to dive deeper into the streaming services that we all enjoy and talk about some hidden gems on those services. It's a lot of fun and I'm film critic Rachel Wagner and Ryan is here.
1: Uh, hey Rachel, it's great to be back with you and everyone once again. Uh, I feel a thousand times better than last week when I felt like a member of The Walking Dead. <laughs> I'm still stuffed up and I'm still coughing slightly but it's, but I, I do feel a lot better, and actually not a moment too soon because this weekend I'm going to be going out of town with my friend. He's getting married in July, so this it this is technically, oh. I guess, his bachelor party, and I've never been to a bachelor party before. So I wanted to get better before then, and thank and God has shone his light on me and cleared my sinuses for that.
0: I'm so glad. Uh, I'm traveling this weekend as well. I'm going to see my sister and uh, and my nieces and I haven't seen them in a long time. So I'm really excited about it. Oh, a little that's... nervous because it's my first time traveling uh, post uh, or in the time of COVID. So I'm a little nervous, but I think it'll be good. I, I feel like I need to just rip that bandage off and and, uh, and do it.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm actually planning a trip outside of the U.S. myself. Again, definite, definite planning stages, but it's a place that I've wanted to go back to since I first went there in 2016. So just thoroughly in the planning stages, but I got to get out of here. I got to stretch my legs and
0: Mm -hmm. I got to
1: go, well, technically be west or I got to go in some direction (laughs) other than where I am right now. Yeah.
0: Very good. Well, we're all going to have some fun times, I think. Uh, but what are we talking about today on Hidden Gems?
1: Uh, we're diving into Paramount Plus. This is probably the the newest streaming service mm-hmm. in terms of release dates, go. And out of all of them, I, I think I've been enjoying this one, though there's a part of me that, and again, it's still particularly new and there's a lot of other content out there. I'm not trying to sound ungrateful or anything, but I had kind of a hard time picking stuff this-
0: Especially week. in the movie world, it's pretty rough on Paramount Plus. The the TVs, I it has a lot of TV shows on there and a lot of them we've kind of talked about before, like I've talked about Survivor and you've talked about Amazing Race and things like that, but it was pretty rough. It was hard for me to find five movies uh, or slash shows to talk about that we either hadn't already talked about or that I didn't feel like with hidden gem at all, or I don't know, just all that. It was, it, especially in the movie world, they, they are definitely in need of some content.
1: Yeah. And, and I could like, I could like recommend like say an NCIS mm-hmm. show, but I haven't like seen the original in years. And so it's like uh it's It's like the question of do I nominate something that is particularly well known but maybe is a maybe has a nuts yeah. like a so so reputation like young Sheldon like I like young Sheldon, but there I are a lot that. of people there are a lot of people that don't really particularly care for the Big Bang theory universe. I like it. I've mm-hmm. been on board with it since day one, but yeah, this was particularly rough and and again, I don't want to come across as say like oh, what is this? Like, I don't want to sound like, like, yeah. first world problems and all, but just it seems very threadbare.
0: Well, and I have to wonder if they're going to be getting back rights now since they just started, because Paramount's such a huge studio. But I think that a lot of their properties are, as far as movies, are in other places right now, and probably you know, you know, what if it's a year or you know, however long we'll get some of those. Uh, those paramount films back uh, but yeah it did feel pretty rough especially on the movie side yeah mm. but i still came up with five things to recommend but we may not be doing paramount again for a while because i don't know what else there.
1: there <laughs> yeah, yeah for sure this is definitely something we'll be doing like not on the regular
0: yes <laughs> that's right uh, so I'll start. The first one that I want to talk about is the importance of being earnest. This is from 2002. This has an all-star cast with Rupert Everett, Colin Firth, Princess O'Connor, Reese Witherspoon, uh, Judy Dench. So it's got this great cast, and it's pretty much straightforward. Uh, the uh, the um, the play by Oscar Wilde. Uh, And uh, I think that Rupert Everett is perfect for playing this kind of foppish uh, man who is, he goes by the name Ernest uh, in, when he's doing his um, uh, 'er ne'er-do-well activities. (laughs) Um, uh, And then there's this other person also going by Ernest and the identities get kind of mixed up and everything gets kind of screwball. And crazy and funny and and uh, yeah, it's charming and it, like I said, great cast. Tom Wilkinson is also in it. It's uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun.
1: So you're recommending yet another period piece. Give me a <laughs> give me a second to absorb the shock of this announcement.
0: I know it's it is shocking.
1: <laughs> you know when I when I when you first read that title out to me, I was like wait, did Joss Whedon make a movie about this? But then it was like, oh, that was much ado about nothing. That was right. Shakespeare, this is Oscar Wilde to completely different people.
0: All right. <laughs> and evidently, there's a version of *The Prince* in Earnest from 1957 that's supposed to be, like, amazing. I haven't seen that one. But this one, it's, if you like this kind of thing, then you'll like it. <laughs> and I do, so... Well, there we I, go
1: it's like saying the uh the laurence olivier hamlet is the best one out yeah. of all the hamlets
0: right and this one isn't as good as an ideal husband which is also starring starring rupert everett and is also based on oscar wilde but i still like it and it's still fun so You get to hear Reese Witherspoon doing a British accent, which is fun. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> you don't seem excited about my choice here.
1: No, 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 it's not that. It just that I got to get more on the period piece bandwagon.
0: <laughs> That's okay. I know they're not for everybody, but I, I, I don't know. I've always enjoyed them. So, all right, well, what's your first choice?
1: So my first choice is again from 2002. And going from uh, hard left, going from period <laughs> piece to a teen movie about a watch that can turn back time. Uh, this movie's called Clock Stoppers. This is from Nickelodeon Studios, and Nickelodeon Studios doesn't necessarily have like the greatest movie track record. I mean, they have the Last Airbender movie under their belt, which, uh, and they also, it, but they also have Rango. Which is one of my favorite anime movies of the 2010s, and Rachel, you're just absolute favorite anime. I
0: love it so much. <laughs> All the time
1: that uh, that that person in your comments section is going to just yeah. have such fawning praise for you. But um, it quite seriously though, uh, Clock Stoppers uh, tells the story of a teenage boy who has a scientist father, and this, and his father has created this watch, which for a certain amount of time can make time slow down. And there are some very powerful people looking for it, and so the boy has to keep the watch safe. Uh, This was directed by Jonathan Frakes, who who was Riker in Star Trek The Next Generation, and and he's done other things, but that's what he's best known for. And, (coughs) excuse me, this is like, this is not like an excellent movie, but this movie came out around a certain time to where I was like getting into Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network. So when I, when, when I heard that this was coming out and it came out on video, I watched it and I really loved it. Uh, there's a lot of fun scenes here. There's one involving uh, involving control of one of the side characters body in a dance club. That's really all I'll say. It's a, it's a f- really funny zine, but that's all I'll really say about that. At the end of the day, it does get the job done, and hopefully I can find the VHS of it, because I think that has an orange tape, which all of the Nickelodeon releases had an orange like cassette tape, and oh, there's a orange. part of me that kind of wants that.
0: Yeah, yeah, VHS. I remember that, the uh, Jimmy Neutron and all that with the orange tape.
1: <laughs> I for sure had Jimmy Neutron, and I yeah. watched that movie quite a bit, like quite mm-hmm. a bit.
0: I remember hearing about this one, but I don't think I ever saw it. I mean i I would have been in college in two thousand two, so it was I was a little bit old for it, but uh, I remember hearing that it was fun, uh, so very good. All right, well, my next choice is actually a television show and it's called Daria. And this is a really great show if you like dry, sarcastic, wits kind of humor. (laughs) Uh, It's about this girl, this teenager named Daria, who's going to high school, and she she just can't understand all these people around her, and uh, she is very sarcastic, and the show is funny, and well animated and they keep talking about doing a daria reboot but i don't know if they really are or not but uh, i i enjoyed it it was a good show
1: wasn't the show on mtv yep back when they You're... used to show music
0: right yeah yeah That's... it was on mtv it was how long um they had 1997 to 2001 so that would have been like my sweet spot, 97. I graduated from high school in uh, 99. And so like, that would have been right when I was in high school and then into college. And it's just very, very sarcastic. So if you don't like sarcastic humor, a uh, little bit cynical kind of humor, then you will not like Daria, but I enjoyed it. It's a good show.
1: Yeah, the Daria remake was something that was kicked around for like the longest time. I keep hearing about it. It's like yeah. it's like either the Uncharted movie or like the Snyder cut for a time or two. It was like you would hear whispers of it, like new creators, They've yeah, like, new director like the, Easy.
0: Yeah, it's it's like the Wicked movie. Like you just hear about it, but it's it's like never gonna. Is it really gonna happen? I don't know.
1: Like you're telling me, there's a chance.
0: I mean this came out right when like Beavis and Butthead and I think South Park was just getting started Uh, but I prefer this much over uh over those shows personally.
1: Yeah and whenever whatever and kind of a side road but whenever people say oh animation is just for kids South Park, Daria, like Simpsons like you got these adult related shows that sometimes even go more adult than most live action shows that are meant for adults. Right. So I've never really understood that. Again, descend from the soapbox, but the, yeah, it, that's my. No, saying.
0: they've always been there. Uh, you, you can even go back to like Ralph Bakshi and Heavy Metal and and Fritz the Cat and things like that. I mean, there's always been adult
1: animation. And Harlem Nights. Ooh, that yeah. that that movie's certainly something. Right. <laughs> If you haven't done an b- obscure animation for that movie, I would uh, love to see it one day.
0: Oh yeah, that would be interesting. I don't know if I could get Stanford on board, but I could try.
1: <laughs> I I would love to hear his commentary on it. Well, <laughs> this was certainly a, a movie that- A movie? Great.
0: <laughs> All right, what is your next pick?
1: I love you, Stanford, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, uh, my 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 second choice is well also from MTV, and this is this is a show that is kind of a guilty pleasure show. It's called Ridiculousness, and basically it has the, a similar concept to America's Funniest Home Videos. But while America's Funniest Home Videos was aimed more at families, Ridiculousness is aimed for more like denizens of the internet. It's essentially. A half hour show in which former pro skater Rob Deerdeck, and uh, two co-hosts Sterling West and Chanel West Coast all watch these internet videos and they either cringe or laugh their heads off. That's pretty much the basic gist of it. Sometimes they'll have a guest star on there like somebody who is famous on the internet a time or two getting their 15 minutes of fame essentially. Like seriously this show has over 700 episodes. And, oh my gosh. And seeing like some of the older internet like celebrities where they are now and where they were then, it's like, it's a weird like little time stone and where you recognize, you think, oh, it hasn't been that long, but then when you watch a show like this and you're like, oh, Epic Mealtime was a thing? Wow, it, it's like one of those things. And this show is definitely not for everybody, there's definitely a lot of, like, stuff involving pain. I think one of the earlier episodes, there was a subsection of the show called Credit or Debit, where Rob Deerdeck would look at skating videos. And, like, credit is where... it's It's hard to explain, but it basically involves various skating injuries. That's all I'll say, because this is a family show. <laughs> but this is definitely... This is definitely for a certain age bracket, but if you're into that stuff, then I think you'll really dig it.
0: Is it kind of like, I don't know, like a jackass for, for teens or something like that?
1: It's jackass, but no stunts, if that makes any oh, sense. Okay, just pain. <laughs> well, it's pain and people reacting to stuff.
0: Reacting. 700 episodes, holy cow. That show was on for a long time or it was played a lot.
1: Well, Rob Deerdeck is uh, pretty is a pretty dang good entrepreneur. At like age eighteen, he started his first skating business, and like he's in his I think early forties now. Like the dude is the dude is like get past like the skater hats. Like he's really he's really smart up there.
0: Yeah, I and mean, I have no doubt because that's like I don't know like seven years of
1: once a week. Yeah, and this show. This show started in 2011, so the internet was like relatively young in terms of like meme culture and the 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 relative like internet culture that we're in now. That was in like 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 here's the mm. here's like the beginning and there's where we are right now. That's where ridiculousness is. Yeah.
0: Well, my next pick is kind of I admit a bit nostalgia. It's called Double Dare. And this is a game show that they used to play all the time. And it's kind of where they first, I think, got the whole idea of being slimed, Nickelodeon, is that if people lost or whatever, then they would get slimed. And they would have to go on different... uh, The first part of it was trivia. And then if uh, if they got the trivia right, then they would have to do an obstacle course with different things that they would have to... Little flags that they would have to grab and, and you know sometimes they'd have to do the um, monkey bars and sometimes they'd have to go down slides you know just different obstacle course and grab the flag and how many flags they grabbed just how many prizes they would win and, and I like a, a game show I think game shows are fun and and this one definitely has a bunch of nostalgia double there and <laughs> so hosted by Mark Thummers Ah, uh, so. uh, the
1: days when Nickelodeon actually tried and not just became the Spongebob rerun network.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember watching a couple episodes of this show. This was like, I think around the time where I was becoming more of a Disney Channel person than a Nickelodeon person. So I remember seeing some of it, but not all of it. But I think, yeah, this was like the earliest version of Nickelodeon then Nickelodeon and slime and having a having a beautiful friendship together because, like, you couldn't go a minute without people talking about sliming on that network for, like, a good two, three years.
0: Yeah, I remember, like, the two teen, like, game shows for teens with Carmen Sandiego on PBS and Double Dare on Nickelodeon. Those are, like, the big uh, teen game shows,
1: so. Also, Legends of the Hidden Temple, which is also on Paramount+. Plus.
0: Yes. I never watched that one as much, but um, yeah. Uh, So what is your next pick?
1: So my next pick is yet another nonfiction show. And there's a part of me that also, like, I'm not a big, like, Kitchen Nightmares fan. I've seen it and I like it. But for some reason, I'm more of a fan of this show, Bar Rescue. And this show, this show is essentially Kitchen Nightmares, but no Gordon Ramsay. It's essentially follows a man named John Tapper who has owned and run bars throughout his entire life and he goes from state to state and finds like the worst bars you could ever stumble into. Not even the rough kind of bars that like you see in movies like in Roadhouse but the kind of bars where you walk into and you're like oh wrong bar and you turn immediately around. Just criminal amounts of malfeasance and these types of shows definitely have a formula where Tapper gives a description of the bar, goes in there for the first time, is disgusted by either the straight thievery by the waitstaff, the dirtiness of the place, just the overall negligence, sometimes all three, Choose out the owner, depending on the owner, it, depending on the owner, they argue right back. Then they have a come to Jesus meeting, and the owner comes around and then the restoration begins, and the episode ends with the bar actually looking like you could actually have a drink there. It's definitely a formula, but I don't know, there's a part of this show that is strangely watchable for me. I guess maybe it's the whole aspect of John Tapper's just trying to help, and that sometimes he has to yell and scream to get what he wants, but you know, sometimes it's tough love, I guess. This is definitely in the same vein of a kitchen nightmares where the appeal is definitely John Tapper yelling at some clueless owner and sometimes just them nearly getting into a fist fight. There's one episode can't remember the name of the bar, but it's essentially where the owner just pretty much hated all of his staff. And, and this, and the owner was like, Oh, they don't have to work here. Who cares? And one of the waiters gave like a really sad story about his kids and all. And he, and the owner's like, pfft, like Baha mug and all that. And Tapper just lays into him like, you disrespectful piece of crap! And they get into a shoving match. And there's, and there's a part of me that's like, this is probably fake, but how did they allow this on TV back then? But <coughs> anyway, this definitely, this definitely follows a formula. Yes, it's definitely probably capitalizing off of Kitchen Nightmares, but it's a fun show. I really like it
0: i never seen that show. I've seen some of the other ones. I don't really like the one on Food Network. I think the Gordon Ramsay one is actually better than the uh, Robert Irvine one because, I don't know, I just feel like uh, that the, uh, I don't know, I feel like they, the Robert Irvine one, he is just, I feel like they spend more time on that one on the negativity. And then like just very little time in the positivity, and uh, I don't know. I just I just don't think he's as good as Gordon Ramsay.
1: From all accounts, Robert Irvine is a good person and a good chef and does a lot of good for this world. But at the same time, whenever I would watch like Restaurant Impossible, I'd be like, "You're just trying to do a kitchen nightmares." Like yeah, his, o- his other show, Dinner Impossible, is actually really fun. Like
0: yeah, I like, like he- that better.
1: He has a catering company and he's given like, you got eight hours to create 10,000 yeah. PB&J sandwiches go. And right. like, not like that, but it. But no, it's, no. it's like more event stuff. I like that. I like the spirit of that.
0: I do too. Like you're on a desert island. You only have this amount of stuff. What are you going to make? Things like that. There was one where you had to make out an entire meal without using any salt, which Whoa. would be really hard.
1: Yes. And- is, and then consider how much salt is in food and like just yeah. in places you wouldn't even expect nowadays. I had to stop drinking tea because of the sodium content. I'd be like, that's in Lipton? Well, forget that.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know that's true. Even stuff that you don't think of like ice cream or cereal, stuff like that can be really... Tuna fish has tons of salt.
1: Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, so that's interesting. Uh. Okay, well... My next pick is uh, a holiday film called Tiny Christmas. I've actually reviewed this for Family Movie Night a couple of years ago. And this is a really cute film uh, for the holidays about these two girls, they're cousins, they don't really get along. Uh, The the one girl finds her kind of more uh, eccentric cousin, very annoying, and they have to spend Christmas together. Well, there's this elf that uh, is is like a scientist, and he makes a a, sh- a shrink ray as a way to get the presents in and out easy. He they can shrink them and then you know make them big. But it malfunctions and ends up shrinking both of the girls. So now they're shrunk inside the house, and they have to work together uh, to get you know, to get along and to get made right. And uh, it's really cute. It's fun. I mean, it's basically, you know, a kind of a Christmas Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, but I'm fine with that.
1: (laughs) I was going to say The Incredible Shrinking Man, but Honey, I Shrunk the Kids works too.
0: Yeah. And there's all kinds of like sort of holiday things like giant ornaments and pencil and stuff like that and wrapping and and, uh, it's cute.
1: Is this a Hallmark movie?
0: No, it's from Nickelodeon. They did a, uh, uh, a holiday film. Uh, I don't think they've done any since this one, but yeah, it was. I was going to um,
1: say, Hallmark doing shrink rays—that seems ambitious. <laughs> I know,
0: 2017, and I I enjoyed it. I thought it was good, and they have to face off against the cat, giant this this you know, giant cat and the. Uh, It has Lizzie Green and Riley Downs and the elf is played by Maddie Finocchio who's been in a bunch of uh, Hallmark movies and so he's fun and the girls learn to get along and see each other's perspective and uh, so yeah it's a fun little movie for the kids. So and if you have any nostalgia for the Honey and Shrunk movies then I think you'll like this. So, yeah. It's not like a masterpiece by any means, but an enjoyable little movie for the family, I would say. Uh, What's your next pick?
1: So my next pick is a movie from 1992, and it is one of my favorite biopics. It is Chaplin. Uh, This was directed by Richard Attenborough. Famous director and actor was John Hammond in Jurassic Park. Spend no expense. But he he also directed a fair share of movies, even won, even won an Oscar for directing Gandhi. But in Chaplin, it's, well, about the life of Charlie Chaplin, played by Robert Downey Jr. here. And it basically covers his entire life, from his start in vaudeville to him growing up in poverty, I should say. Growing up in poverty, starting in vaudeville, uh, moving to America, being picked up by Keystone Films and making a name for himself there going solo on his own, his various marriages and him rubbing shoulders with the likes of Douglas Fairbanks and other stars of the day, to the advent of the talkies and his advent dislike of it, saying that it would be a gimmick. Oh boy, how wrong he'd be. uh? But anyway, uh, to his run-ins with the FBI and his run-ins with J. Edgar Hoover and everything in between. I saw this movie in high school and I wasn't really super aware of Charlie Chaplin, like outside of his movie, The Kid, which I've recommended on here before. And I think if they were to do a Chaplin biopic, I think this is about as close to perfection as they were probably ever going to get. Uh, I'm sure that 90% of people only know Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, and hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Like he's excellent in that role, and. It's given him more money than I'll ever make in a lifetime. So I'm not throwing throwing shade or anything. But for a long time, Robert Downey Jr. was in like a lot of movies. And I think that this is subtly one of his very best roles. Uh, He starts out uh, like as he goes from like having all the success to like pretty much having none of the success and basically being banished for being a communist despite there him having no evidence of that whatsoever and he had the temerity to make fun of hitler but anyway uh, it's it's a great it's a great biopic there there's a complaint with biopics and i've made this too that move, movie biopics try and cram too much stuff into into a biopic but i think they've i think they crammed in just enough to where if you're not too familiar with Chaplin, this is a good summation of his life. And if you haven't seen it, I do highly recommend it. it it's a good gateway drug into Robert Downey Jr.'s career. Yeah,
0: I have not seen this one. Yeah. I've heard about it a lot. And so I definitely have to give it a shot. Cause I, I mean, he was nominated for an Oscar for it. So that's just something.
1: Yeah, it's and... a, very, it has a very loaded cast too. with Geraldine Chaplin, Charlie Chaplin's actual granddaughter is in this, Or. Daughter or granddaughter? Oh, that's fun. It's one of those two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Hopkins is in there as George Hayden, the man who is interviewing Chaplin throughout this whole thing. Dan Ackroyd oh. is in here as the guy who gets Chaplin started at Keystone Productions. Uh, Marissa Tomei and Penelope Ann Miller play two of Chaplin's wives. Mila Jovovich is in here. Kevin Klein plays Douglas Fairbanks, which is a lot of fun. This is like. A who's who for like the early '90s.
0: Oh, that sounds good. That Sounds really good. All right. Well, my last pick is a movie that, if you want some proof that Gerard Butler can actually act, uh, aside from these action movies that he's been doing lately, this is a good one. This is called Dear Frankie, it's from 2004, and it stars El- it stars Emily Mortimer as a woman who has a son. There, uh, her husband has left her, and she—he's he, left her to go out on sea. Uh, so to help her son feel wanted, she starts writing, uh, he, writing responses to these letters that he writes to his father, and pretending to be his father. And then all of a sudden, the ship that he supposedly—she told him—he's going to be on—is coming into town. So he thinks he's going to meet his father. Well, she hires uh, Gerard Butler to pretend to be his father just by the ships in, in in Port. And, of course, as they as the charade goes on and on, they become more and more attached. It's very sweet, very cute. Uh, and, uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it, I recommend it.
1: Yeah, Gerard Butler... is. I think I think people only know him for like the Has Fallen movies and I know from for for him being in movies like 300 like he can be an actor if he really wants to but there's just a part of him I guess that is comfortable being in like these Has Fallen movies and Greenland
0: and and Gods of Egypt and stuff like that
1: no one should have to sit through that movie Mm. And, and it's and yeah. a real it's a real shame because the director of that, Alex Proyas, directed The Crow, which is an excellent movie.
0: Yeah, I know. And he all came out after he was like, Oh, critics are biased against no, we're not. Just watch We, we have movies. good taste. We don't that's want to our... watch Gods of Egypt. It's that's terribly. our only
1: that's our only sin. We have good taste.
0: <laughs> um, but this Joe Frankie, it's a small, like kind of independent type movie but very sweet and of course you know the you can only lie so so long about these kind of things so then once the truth is out then her son is upset and uh, what's gonna happen and between their relationship and it's it's very sweet so i enjoyed it i i i I like it and it is nice to see gerard butler actually acting again because he also did like some terrible rom-coms like The Awful Truth, which I hate, and the one with um Bounty Hunter. Ugh, that was oh, terrible. Yeah.
1: yeah, the Bounty Hunter is hard work.
0: <laughs> Very well said.
1: That's okay. right.
0: All right. Well, what's your last pick?
1: So my last pick is from 1980, is directed by David Lynch, and it is called The Elephant Man. Uh, this is a movie that I watched when I was trying to watch all of the Major releases from 1980, and I, I end up watching about like 95% of them, which I think is pretty close.
0: Yeah, that is good.
1: And this tells the story of a man named John Merrick, played by John Hurt, who is horribly disfigured. Like half of his face is just like, like bigger than like the rest of his face. Like he has a weirdly shaped looking body. It's just. It's not a pretty sight and he basically is homeless. He he makes a bit of a living as a carnival freak, but that's about it. Gets abused and misused. It's a truly sad existence. The only person to show him any form of compassion is a Dr. Travis played by Anthony Hopkins who takes him in, gives him food, and gives him some level of compassion and tries to treat him like a normal person. I've seen some complaints like in other reviews that this is like an exploitive movie. Uh, Roger Ebert was not particularly kind to this movie. And I kind of understand to a certain degree, but this movie is so well made that there's a part of me that just kind of forgets all that. Uh, This was directed by David Lynch. We all know who he is. He makes very David Lynch movies nowadays i think he's primarily known for his weather reports which are a lot of fun but back in the day like he was he was kind of like it's he made movies that were very hard to describe you actually had to see them in order to understand like he he makes movies like quentin tarantino or chris nolan In that when you're going into a david lynch movie you know exactly what you're getting i think this may be more of the this may be more of a straightforward movie than like Dune or something like that. But he gets the he gets the point across quite well. And honestly, the ending of this movie is worth the price of a mission by itself. And I don't know if I should spoil it or not, but it starts out with these two scenes. There's the two final scenes at the end. The first is truly just heartbreaking stuff, and the ending is just is just beautiful. It really is. I I I won't spoil it but it's the I'll give you some hints. The the second to last scene is the iconic scene where Merrick is like I am not an animal and I don't have the sinuses to do the accent but there it is and and it's just it's a horrible scene like he's just trying to get away from people and have some solace in his life before he dies and people just will not leave him alone and it's just It's just heartbreaking stuff. And then the last scene is basically an extended scene of John Merrick having his perfect day. And after like over 90 minutes of seeing him go through all this crap and just have him come out on the other side to this, it's just, it's beautiful stuff. And at the end of the day, this is just, this is a really great movie. Please check it out if you haven't.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen it since high school. So it's been a long time. I remember being very affected by it. It's kind of creepy for me because I had surgery on my um, on my skull when I was a baby uh, because you know most babies have a soft spot in their head. Uh I didn't have a soft spot, and so if I hadn't had the surgery, then my my head would have been like the it it would have been misshapened and. I don't know if it would have been as bad as in Elephant Man, but it's definitely very sobering to watch that movie and realize that, you know, thankfully they were able to have a surgery for me so that I didn't have anything like that happen. Uh, but it, it's definitely a very scary uh, situation and, and uh, you know, how we treat, treat each other.
1: It also helps that the two main leads in this are Anthony Hopkins, one of the best living actors still going today. And John Hurt, who was taken from us far too soon, may he rest in peace. He only has like a few like spoken lines in this, but his body language is just, he makes the role his own and it's really just heartbreaking stuff. Like he just, his voice is just so like wrecked, wrecked with pain. Like he almost does sound like more of an animal than a man, but deep down inside, like, he is a gentleman. He just happens to be in the body of a mutant, for lack of a better term. The first scene yeah. where he meets Anne Bancroft's character is just, it's awesome stuff. Like, he's like, hello. I still can't do it. I still can't do it. But it's its just yeah. a great scene. It really yeah. is.
0: Good. Well, let us know what you think of our choices from Paramount Plex. If you've been watching anything, on paramount plus plus let us know of course they got all the star trek and the uh the uh game shows the survivor the amazing race all that stuff so if you've been watching something that you like on paramount plus put in the comment section we'd love to hear what you have to say and ryan where can people find you
1: uh they can find me on facebook twitter instagram and letterboxd camp 20 then there's of course my youtube channel which is just called Ryan Cam. This is dropping on a Tuesday, which means on Monday, I dropped my AFI project video for 12 Angry Men, which is one of my all time favorite movies. On Wednesday, I'll be dropping a video for Bringing Up Baby, which I watched for the first time and it was great. And then Friday, I'll be dropping a video for a little movie called The Sixth Sense, directed by M. Night Shyamalan. And then this coming Sunday, will be my first reaction to the Studio Ghibli film, My Neighbors, the Yamadas. So that'll mm-hmm. that's coming up. And then I have a new release roundup coming for the months of April and May. It's a big video, y'all. I've watched a lot of movies over the past two months. So that's cool. coming out at the beginning of next week. So if you haven't checked out my channel, please do. I'm at 143 subscribers. I'd like to get to 150. Like I'm so close, like I'm so close to 150. I'd love to get there. So if you haven't checked me out, please do.
0: Yes, definitely subscribe. It's really good. And is is Six Cents on the AFI, or is that just extra?
1: No, no, no. It's on the list. Interesting. Okay. I had I had to double check, and out of all the movies from '99, that movie's on there. Not Fight Club. Not American Beauty. Not uh, Matrix. Not like. Huh. Not like Toy Story, or not Toy Story 2, okay. no, Sixth Sense.
0: Huh, interesting. Well, you should definitely I'll check that out and you can find me at Rachel's Reviews all over social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So check that. We've got a lot of reviews coming. I've already posted my review for In the Heights and for A Place 2 and I uh, and will be posting for Coela by the time this comes out. So lots of stuff on the website and then Lots of good stuff coming on my channel with our Fantasia review for Talking Disney with Anna Matt and Matt Burnett. So that was really fun. And so check that out. Also, make sure you check out the Homeworks Podcast. Lots of good stuff going on over there. So take a look. And thanks, everybody. And let us know if you have a streaming service you'd like us to cover or as something along those lines, then let us know. And we'll talk to you all later. Bye.
1: Bye.